It's time for the View in Your Mirror podcast. I'm Katie Harms, and along with Lisa Rubin, we help you check in and curate the best possible you and the best view in your mirror. We share tips, tricks, and strategies from our 35 plus years in our respective industries. We talk about your day from morning to night and everything in between. We share our uniqueness, relish in our shared experiences. Along the way, we share conversation with fabulous people who give us their own thought-provoking insights. So come along as we help you hone the best view in your mirror. Lisa Rubin, good day. Good day to you, Katie. Don't I sound beautiful? A little sexy, maybe? A little sexy. I uh, I think you should explain why you have this new sexy voice. voice. <laughs> oh. <laughs> So I thought I was going to slip through all of the uh, illnesses that everybody has gotten during the holidays, but nope, I got this crud going around um, and it's all in my chest and my throat and coffee. And this is what I've sounded like now for a week. Oh my. Um, so I sound worse than I feel. That's good. That's, that's, that's well, good. We can't continue to postpone the recording of this podcast. So here I am. Yeah, so here you are. And when last we were recording a podcast, I uh, threw out a challenge for you. You didn't just throw it out. You said, write this down. What? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I um, said, I said, I, I said it and you said, write this down. And I said, no, you write this down. <laughs> yeah, that's that's actually how it went. You're right. But anyways, what, what we did talk about, which I think is very, very important, especially with the podcast we do, is what does self-care look like for women, right? Yes. And uh, what kind of time should a woman take for self-care? Well, that's a huge question. That could be like six podcasts. Mm -hmm. But- the things that I'm going to talk about today is things that I've learned helping professional women with very, very busy schedules. And the one thing I notice is their own self-care mm. and how important it is to just take, do something for yourself. And what does that mean? Well, it depends what age you are, where you are in your career, what you're doing, but it can be as simple as when you wake up in the morning, like some of my clients, I'll say, you get up before everyone else gets up, have a cup of coffee by yourself, and don't do anything for work. Just read something that you enjoy, right? That's self-care. But on a bigger scale for women, women let a lot of things go. Hair, color of their hair, exercise. I don't have time to exercise. Okay, that's fine. But that doesn't mean you can't take a 30-minute walk somewhere. It doesn't mean that you can't, now that so many things are online, you can do a 15-minute workout. But as you always said on the podcast, you got to put it in your schedule, right? Just like you plan lunch, you plan meetings, you plan everything in your calendar, you also have to plan self-care. And I think that has been one of the themes that we've heard over and over from our guests and that you have to schedule it in. You you have to prioritize yourself, whether you actually have it physically scheduled in most, I think do, 
you have to make it a priority and you have to believe in the benefits of it. If you don't believe right. in the benefits of what you're doing, then you're not doing anything that's conducive for yourself. Exactly. And, you know, when I'll meet with a client for the first time and I, I we're going through a closet, right? And we're talking about her clothes and we've talked about the energy of the clothes and the closet and it tells a story and all of that. But the one thing I always notice is they always make excuses for everything other than their clothes. Don't look at my hair right now because I haven't had time to get it cut or I haven't had time to get it colored. Oh, don't worry. I'll get a manicure or there's always these excuses. And what I'm trying to tell people is just schedule time mm -hmm. to do the things that make you feel good. So if getting a manicure makes you feel good and it doesn't, you don't have to put polish on your nails, just go get a manicure, go get a pedicure and get a foot massage. And don't be on your phone. I was just going to say that very same thing. Don't don't have a Zoom meeting while you're getting a pedicure. Um, just taking little, if you make a goal for yourself in seven days of the week, I'm going to do one thing a day that I would consider self-care that I'm only doing for myself. And I, and I think too, the big thing is take small bites of what you're going to do. Right. You know, we're, we're close to the beginning of the year and everyone's got New Year's resolutions and I'm going to do this and do that. And these big declarative statements and all of that. I think the things that stick the longest are the things that you can do and add to them. So don't start with five things. Start with one. Yeah. Just do the one thing. And then, and then people are so busy. They're like, oh, I'd really love a massage, but I don't have time. And then when I call for a massage, they're booked. Well, you know what? You book a dentist appointment. You book a doctor's appointment. You booked me to come and help you. Right. Book a massage. And all of this goes back to prioritizing yourself. So if the only yeah. theme that we get out of this whole thing is you prioritize yourself and there is no one right way to do it. There is right. no one right way to do it. It's your way but you have to actively look for a way the benefits of looking for a way for self-care are countless. Right. And, and what you said in very small bites. Um, yeah. Yes. And, and, and I think it's very, very important as women because we are all so busy and wear so many hats and the last thing we think about is ourselves. And guess what? Your self-care routine is going to change. It should be flexible enough to change with you. Right. There are big life changes that happen that cause you to rethink all of this. But I think my point and what I've learned in these 64 plus years on the planet is that the way that I do it for myself is the right way for me, but I have to actively be doing something. There has to be, for me, there has to be some steps, some people, and, and I'm not consistent from day to day. So, <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing. <laughs> in so many different ways. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> but that's okay. Yes, it is okay because it's, it's how you do it. 
you and I exist in the same universe and we do. We do we approach things so differently and isn't that what makes it beautiful? And so I'm not going to apologize for, you know, I got up this morning and no, I didn't fit in that arm workout that I wanted to fit in, but I read this really awesome article and I, you know, so I have to know that the time that I'm spending means something to me. I you absolutely. I completely agree. And this is this has nothing to do with what we're talking about. But I have to talk about something um, that's very random, but it made me think about all this, okay? And it makes it made me think about how I always say we are all the same. As women, we think about the same things. We have the same uh, worries, concerns, self-doubt. We just do it differently, right? And the more high profile or the, let's call it celebrity, that you get, when you listen to a podcast, I listen to a podcast, I'll tell you who it is in a minute, of a very famous woman and all of her self-doubt that she has, and she was very vocal about it. And it just, it made me sigh and go, you know what? I hope more people listen to this podcast. So who was it? I listened to Barbara Streisand, who mm-hmm. was being on the Howard Stern podcast. Mm-hmm. I happen to really like Howard Stern. I think he's an incredible interviewer. And she, and Barbara wrote a memoir that just came out. And it's a two and a half hour interview. And I'm almost done. And I got to tell you, if, if I can put a shout out to people to take the time, it's on Sirius Radio, to listen to her. She is one of the most famous women that we know. And when you hear her talk and all of how she grew up and where she came from and what she thinks about every day is shocking that you, you know, and the, then the imposter syndrome that she had to put on to do what she did. Yeah. And I just think it kind of helps as a person like me who really believes that to listen and go, I, it was so good. It was so good. So we'll have to, we'll have to put that on our list and, What a wonderful way to transition to our guest. We have Ana Rosa, Ana Claudia Rosa. And it's hard to find a resume that really embodies and encompasses Ana. She's a radiologist. She is a woman from Brazil where she was a radiologist. And then she moved to the United States. Love brought her to the United States. And she recreated her life as a radiologist here and then lost the love of her life to cancer. And Anna is a friend. She has been, uh, she and her husband, her husband was my husband's PA. So we spent a lot of time with Jilson and she'll speak of Jilson also. But I think the reason I asked Anna to be on this podcast is because of her spirit, her resiliency, her every womanness, and her heart. So I hope you take the time to really listen to Anna. And uh, she's got a beautiful Brazilian accent, which um, I will just say, there's no one that could throw the F-bomb quite like her husband, Gilson, and make it sound like he was 
speaking poetry. <laughs> we'll try not to use that word here in the podcast, but I hope you enjoy talking to Anna and, and listening to this conversation as much as I enjoy Anna. Dr. Anna Claudia Rosa. Good morning. Good morning. When you meet someone for the first time and they say, what do you do? What's your vocation? What do you tell them? I immediately tell them that I am a doctor and that I am a radiologist and that I love what I do, which is my passion. And when we keep talking, I add that I am also certified health coach and I love talking about grief. And I love talking about healing. And I love the fact that together we can get stronger and move forward in life. And that's what I tell all the people. You guys are not seeing me, but I hold my hands together, the left and the right. And I tell people all the time, this is a memory picture. Me holding my hands means that I'm holding my soul and that I'm holding your soul and you are holding my soul and we heal together. And that's definitely one of my passions too, healing together. When you were a little kid, what did you dream of being? When I was a little kid, well, so both my parents were medical doctors. So kind of like my mom would bring me and my sister to her office and just put us sitting on the side while she didn't, when she didn't have anybody to help her take care of us. So I've seen her being a doctor and she was a pediatrician. So her patients loved her. They would bring gifts and I would like play with the gifts. So when I was a little kid, it was kind of ingrained in my brain that I wanted to be a doctor as well because I wanted to take take care of others and care for others and help others. Uh, when I was older, around my 17s, um, 17 years old when I was planning on going to college. That's when I started college. I applied for law school and I applied for medical school. And I got accepted for both. And I just, I couldn't do both at the same time because both would be really, really overwhelming. I wouldn't have time for both. So I decided I opted uh, in for medical school, which I do not regret because I love it. Um, and at the same time, now that I am 52, I kind of see that the little bit of the lawyer is inside still is, is still inside of me because I like being a voice and I like um, advocating for health and for, you know, healing your soul and healing your body. And so I believe in the end now I, I am the lawyer who speaks out loud and fights for whatever I believe it's important. And I am also the doctor who takes care and, you know, is more quiet in my office reading my studies as a radiology uh, doctor. You you love medical school so much. You actually took it in Brazil and then tested out of it in the United States. This is This is, you live right now in Omaha, right? Yes, I live right now in Omaha. So I did medical school in Brazil and it was from 1989 to 1994. Then I became a radiologist in Brazil doing the residency in 94, 98. And I worked in Brazil as a radiologist. I got my PhD, my doctor degree in radiology in Brazil. And I worked for the university. I worked for a private 
practice clinic and hospital. And I did lots of research and I have chapters in books. And anyway, I worked as a radiologist for 10 years from 1998 until 2008. That's when I met my my husband, my angel, and my Gilson, and we got married in 2008. And for me to move to the United States, uh, I had to kind of start uh, not from ground zero, but restart at some point, right? So I had to, as a foreign doctor, I had to go through the ECFMG and the USMLE tests, which are the ones that the doctors here in the United States have to pass them to practice medicine. So I studied in 2009, I got the test in 2010, and I applied for another radiology residency because you could, that's how the rules are here in the United States. And I started the radiology residency again in 2011. And in 2015, I finally started being a real radiologist here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a second a second round of being a real radiologist. <laughs> you know, in talking about this, we one of the things that we have not talked about is you really didn't speak much English when you came to the United States. So not only did you restart your career before doing that, you really had to get a little better grasp of the English language that became very difficult when you were trying to answer phones at the U. Most definitely. So when I moved here, I had the radiology English foundation because I studied in so many English books in in Brazil because they are more updated. Uh, However, my basic foundation of English was like, good morning. How are you? My name is Anna. I need a glass of water, whatever. (laughs) And so then answering phone calls as a first year resident was very traumatic for me because people speak faster, of course, and I would have to take notes. And I would also feel kind of embarrassed, which I should have not felt embarrassed because I was already doing my best. But I would feel embarrassed of asking, could you repeat that, please? Um, So it was very traumatic, you know, like I wouldn't be able to give good like information to the people who would get the the report from the phone call from me. So at some point, people would just say, please don't answer the phone. You are not very like capable of doing that. And I knew I was capable of being a radiologist, but not being able to answer a phone call was very traumatic. You know, so many times I thought about like, is this the real and right and proper journey for me? But thankfully, my husband would always be my has had always been my cheerleader, and he would say, "Keep moving forward, and you are a radiologist. You're not gonna have to answer the phone again when you are like working in your career. So just keep moving forward." And that's one thing that I believe it's so important when I am moving forward in any difficult time in my life is having at least one person. You don't need like a whole football team to cheer up you to cheer you up but need have one person one person that will help you be grounded in the goodness you have in yourself because in the end we have everything we need inside ourselves right we just have to turn on the light inside of our heart and be able to dig deep and find the tools we have inside ourselves and build the muscles of those tools but it's important to have a cheerleader 
that is your safe, sacred space, when I was in doubt or when you are in doubt or when I felt like trembling, this person picks me up and gives me the hand and I borrow their en- his or her energy and I keep going, you know? We've been talking about energy and your comment of borrowing that energy is interesting. I've never thought about it as borrowing energy, knowing that you get energy from people you're around, you borrow it, you loan it out, I suppose, then. Yes, I've been thinking about what she said, and I absolutely love what you just said. I actually wrote part of it down. I couldn't write it all down that fast. But I think that sort of like what I do for a living, I do share my energy with other people, right? Because I want to make them the best version of themselves. I never looked at it that way. And I, I, people always say, Lisa, when are you going to stop doing what you're doing? And I just think it, I had like this epiphany, me sharing my energy with people so that they're the best version of themselves is why I keep doing what I do. And Absolutely. that's what I just wrote down. I mean, she just bottled that up for me. Right. And I've never thought of it that way, but that's exactly why I do what I do. See, yeah. Anna, you're you're coaching people just <laughs> naturally. I mean, it was it like naturally. I, I don't yeah, that was fabulous. Thank you. I know a little well, bit of you. Anna, a little bit of Anna just puts things in perspective. I think what fascinates me about you, having known you for many, many years. I want you to shorten, well, not, I don't want you to shorten, but I want you to talk about the timeline. You meet Jilson in 2005. Yeah. My my mom passed away in 2004 from ovarian cancer. I met in December, December, 2004. I met Jilson. I divorced from my first marriage, which was a very abusive relationship, which was, were lessons that I cherish now because they taught me to, build my foundation in what I want, what I need and what I do not want and what I do not need. And then uh, that was May. In September 2005, I met Gilson online. In December 2005, I came to the United States to visit with him and his and my stepson. And um, then we dated in this back and forth uh, relationship. Me in Brazil, he was here in the United States, we would see each other maybe like twice or three times a year in person, but we would talk every day on the phone for two hours or more. And uh, so then in 2008, July, in March, I moved to the United States. In July, we got married. And and in 2013, he got his diagnosis of colon cancer stage four. And in 2016, he passed away and a portion of me passed away and I restarted again. Wow. And I mentioned before, Jolson was my husband's PA, but they were best friends. They were partners. They were pretty formidable and special. And we could tell the whole story about how Jolson ended up in Minnesota. And we'll save that for another time. But People are put where they're supposed to be, which is so interesting coming back to you. I want to take a quick break. And then when we come back, I want to talk about the mindset that you were in making that decision to really uproot your life. And then I want to fast forward to where you have been since losing Jolson. So yes. stay tuned. 
We are with Bridget Edwards from Sheer Brothers Custom Closets. Bridget, let's talk garages. What are you seeing in garage storage and organization? Garage storage is always nice. It's especially nice if you don't have a mudroom to store all those things like your kids' sporting equipment and boots and all those kinds of things that end up in the home. So we can outfit your garage with all kinds of different storage units and cabinets to keep your garage looking tidy and neat. We also do slat wall. We do workbenches. We do mega shelving, which really holds tons of weight and provides great storage for all those garage type things. And the mega shelving designed by Share Brothers by manufacturing and the depth options and length options are so incredible that you don't have a lot of dividers. So it's really easy to use. It's exactly that. It can pretty much hold anything or any weight. And I really do also like the idea of not having anxiety every time I drive into my garage and have to look at the mess. So this helps with that. What's the best way for people to initiate working with Shear Brothers? Call or you can go onto our website and from there a designer will be in touch with you and we'll get the process started. The website is SheerBrosClosets.com. Phone number is 763-531-7400. I would have to say that Shear Brothers custom closets helps you get your zen on great way to put it i love that okay anna you have this pretty whirlwind relationship you truly pivot your entire life and you make the decision you're going to come to the united states for love yes what was your mindset at that point i used to say that i crossed the ocean to be with gilson because I re- and I would cross the ocean and I am going to cross heaven to be with him when my soul is released from my body. But like, I really felt safe. I really felt comfortable. I really felt my genuine self with him. And I knew that it was, I knew because I felt in my heart that was the right person and the right place to be for my life. And what I say is I knew because I felt is something that I kind of tell myself because healing and life and grief, it's a, it, I tell myself also, it's a journey. It's not a destination. So I'm not going to wake up today and I'm going to be 100% well in everything I do in my life. So I believe it's hard work daily and I choose my heart to keep facing my fears and my doubts and I keep moving forward and I don't say I'm moving forward I'm moving with I'm moving with all my lessons I'm moving with all my past I'm moving with the person I have become and the person I am building because I'm not finding myself I am building myself daily by my choices and my actions so my mindset was turning off my brain turning off my doubts turning off my questioning, because the brain is wired in a negative uh, default mode to protect us, flight, freeze, fight. And I turned off my brain and I connected to my heart and I let my heart make the decision for me that it was a decision of safety. It was a decision of peace. It was a decision of joy that comes from my heart. And it was the best decision I have ever made in my whole life. And I do believe that I have a soul contract, that I have a plan, that, and this plan 
gets fulfilled partially or completely according to my me saying yes to life. And I am very grateful that I said yes to Gilson, that I said yes to the commitment and the covenant we have between our souls. And we walked through the journey and we faced everything we had to face with dignity. And we we are we he fulfilled and I am fulfilling my plan. Hmm. How how long did that take you to figure out what you just said? <laughs> I think it's a daily it's a daily work. <laughs> okay, that, I mean, I, I, I was hoping that was your answer. That's okay. so yeah. that's so honest and and so true. It is it is a daily work, and that's yeah. such an important message that it doesn't just yes. you don't just one way day wake up and say, oh, "I got this now." No, and I I don't believe I will ever say I got this now. It's like it's a daily work. It's the duality of life. It's life and death. It's pain and peace. It's love and fear. And I face, I just let them walk together again, holding hands, memory picture. I let them walk together. And sometimes I sit more in the pain and then I shift. I believe that healing is not denying my pain, not denying my excuses, not denying my fears but rather really sitting with them, facing them, honoring them, respecting and learning from them and learning my strength and learning my resilience and learning my commitment, my consistency, my endurance and shifting. I think the beauty is to learn to shift faster. It's not really, I could sit with the pain for a month, but I could sit with the pain for 10 minutes. You know, I can, I can, I can really train my body, train my soul, train my brain to shift. And how do I shift? I shift by asking deep questions. I, I shift by, okay, I am sad and I am disappointed and I am frustrated and I am angry because my husband died and I miss him. So then I sit with that. I do not bury that inside of me. I put this thing up and out. So I sit with that and I'm like, how come I'm feeling this? Why am I feeling this? What is behind and beneath and what is the root of this pain, this fear, this loneliness? It's love. It's the love I have for my husband. It's the gratitude for the time I had with him, you know? And when I can find gratitude and when, no, wrong word, when I can build gratitude and and when I can build love and respect for the feeling because it has a foundation that is, is a good foundation, is a foundation in goodness, I can shift. It's not that I don't go to the bad places, I just get out of the bad places in a better way and faster way because I ask the questions that will shift to peace and love and gratitude. So you've built the strategies. You've and and it's an active. What you're speaking yes. about is an active process. You have to be fully committed to it. Yes, you have to be fully committed to it. Like you have to be fully committed to walk ten thousand steps. You have to be fully committed to everything. I have to be fully committed to everything in my life, if I really want full like complete results, whole results, results that will make me whole too. It's like I say yes to my life. I need, I have to, I need to, I want to 
say yes to my life every day. Because I'm honoring my husband, I'm honoring my soul, I'm honoring my loved ones who passed away, and I'm honoring the people who are around me. I'm honoring you, I'm honoring Lisa, because we are all one in souls. And and again, what we said in the beginning, when I say yes to my life, I am overflowing my cup. And in a ripple effect, or you know, I can give you energy and you can borrow from me and vice versa. And we share, we share the light from our souls, you know. I do. I know. I know you do. <laughs> and and having watched your journey too, this is not a you didn't wake up one day and all of a sudden you were happy. And I no. think that's the real true grit of it. What what you did was you chose to build. You chose yes. to build and- one on top of the foundation. You started from a very raw place, obviously, and then built from yes. there. And I am not happy all the time. Like you said, you woke up happy and, and you know, and I am not happy all the time. I am not like Pollyanna happy. I am the person who really faces, uh, you know that we have talked about so many struggles. Everybody has struggles and I am human, exactly like you all. So I just do my best. Like the day that I am a little bit more low energy, I I take care of myself. I hug myself, you know, and and I I, I check I I seek people who will understand me. You know, I know you would. I know some other people understand work. Other people understand soul. Other people other understand grief. You know, and you just have to under. I just have to remind myself that my each friend is in a category of friendship, you know? So I look at my shelf of friends. Oh, okay, this friend is the friend who is going to be able to listen to me about grief. Oh, this friend is the friend who likes traveling. And I drop my expectations about them because then I can drop my expectations about me too because I'm not going to be 100% 24-7, right? Mm. You also, I think understand your tools in your toolbox. Like you're talking about these friendships and you've learned how to take each tool to make yourself better each day. And I think that's something that we are all constantly learning, but also giving yourself space to know that you have these tools. Yes. And these friendships. And um, I, I, uh, I like that. Yeah. I tell myself this all the time. Friends are like amazing books because I love reading. So there is a book for adventure. There is a book for sorrow. There is a book for grief. There is a book for traveling, you know. So my friends are my books. So if I'm talking to you and you are the person who likes talking about uh, traveling, why am I going to expect you to talk to me about grief? That's my work to do. You are my traveling friend. You are not you know, you might not have, um, you might not be able, ready, or even willing to talk about grief. And that's fine because it's who you are. I honor you. I respect you. And I give to you what I can. And I get from you what I can. And we keep growing together, you know, like a book. How am I going to, why do I want to read radiology if, if I'm reading like, a rom-com sex book? <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly, right? Exactly. Yeah. So many, I, I've really, truly, so many pearls of wisdom. 
and a really, really good segue to go into what it is, because you started by saying you're a radiologist and you love what you do. Your life has been about so much more than that, but that has been the common thread that has been with you for the most consistent longest, that professional title. You shifted or added to your day-to-day responsibilities of working for the VA and you have embarked on a new path, right? With studying visceral fat. Yes. So I work for the VA and as a radiologist, I have never heard about the importance of describing visceral fat in reports, in imaging reports before. But in 2020, I got to meet Dr. Sean O'Mara and you can research him. He talks about visceral fat and how you could reverse it through strategies of health optimization. And he brought to my awareness the importance of describing visceral fat in my reports, as visceral fat could be the root cause of several uh, chronic diseases. And he had the research on that with the National Science Foundation, where he studied 6,000 patients And he was able to show the bad effects, the deleterious effect of visceral fat in your body and how you could reverse it and how it is easily seen and uh, followed up with MRI. And that's my new passion as a radiologist, you know. Well, that that had to really speak to you when you've been staring at, you know, as a body trained fellow in radiology. Did, it must have been like a light bulb going off, going, well, I see that all the time. It's there everywhere. Yes, it surprised me so much that I have, I am a radiologist. I am a doctor for 30 years, this year, 2024, and I have been a radiologist for 26 years. So it really surprised me that something that I have been seeing for my whole career, I have never described it. And that's how I use, I like calling it the silent enemy, the silent killer, the invisible visible, because it's so easily seen and it's easy to be reported. And most important for everybody who is listening, it's reversible. So you can take strategies and improve your health and really optimize your health by fighting visceral fat and burning visceral fat. I like to say as a grief coach too, and a grief person too, I like to say I'm burning the visceral fat and using its fuel to build my health optimal life or my optimal health life. And um, yeah, using the ashes from the visceral fat to rise as a phoenix in my optimal life. Oh, I love that. Because really, as the visceral fat leaves, that's creating energy. And you're using that energy to optimize your health. Yes. So it's really finding those best strategies, but to find out that you have visceral fat, and this is where things are getting interesting. And I think it's going to be fun to follow your career because it's not like you can walk into your family practice doctor and say, oh, I want an MRI to identify visceral fat. We're not there yet, right? No, we are not there yet. What I would do as a patient and as a person is that you could research 
uh, imaging clinics that you could have an MRI uh, paying out of pocket for better prices. Uh, in some places, you could find an MRI of the abdomen without intravenous contrast. That's the one you would want to have. And you could even pay around 500. And I would definitely say that for those who may think that this is expensive, remember that your health is an investment and it's not an expense. And it's really important to see what's going on inside your body regarding visceral fat and to really act upon it. So when you when you are reversing visceral fat, you are also uh, not only optimizing your body, but when you have visceral fat, the strategies are not as effective as when you get burning and burning, and then the strategies get more and more effective with time. Okay, that makes sense. And I, I mean, I just, we, we just have to think about in this, in people have visceral fat and they don't look fat, right? It's not yes. necessarily, okay, I'm, I'm looking at the guy with the gut. I mean, I read a study once that blew my mind, or I read an article not too long ago that sumo wrestlers have very little visceral fat. Yes. So we don't know how we look inside our bodies unless we have an MRI of our abdomen. And I'm saying the MRI because the MRI doesn't have ionizing radiation. So it's easier to follow up uh, without the effects of radiation in your body. But if you have a CT scan that you have done prior, you could always look for visceral fat in a CT scan too. The again, the MRI is preferable because it doesn't have ionizing radiation, but there are individuals that are called thin outside, fat inside, or TOFIs, and they believe they are healthy, and they are not. When they do the MRI, you can see they have lots of visceral fat, which makes them metabolic unhealthy. So the sumo wrestlers would be the they look fat outside, but they are thin inside. And they are, believe me, they are metabolic healthy because they have lots of muscle. They do have lots of subcutaneous fat, um, which with time might not be beneficial for your body as well. But the sub subcutaneous fat is a complete different uh, fat from visceral fat, specifically if it's superficial subcutaneous fat. And the visceral fat is metabolic active and secretes uh, cytokines, which are inflammatory molecules, molecules that produce inflammation all over your body. So visceral fat produces inflammation that could lead to diabetes and dementia and cancer, you know, not necessarily the only cause, but one of the main causes for chronic diseases in our bodies. So if, as we know, and, and you've talked about this in other podcasts and you're doing some amazing podcasts and um, so proud of the path that you're taking on this and so excited to see, um, you've talked about how these are not things that were taught in medical school. And as we know, I mean, really inflammatory response and all of that is fairly new. Talking about metabolic health is fairly new. So lots of good changes are happening where I think that we as women have really been given the short straw in health, quite frankly. Yes. You talked about your mother. So my mom, my mom had ovarian cancer and she was diagnosed with ovarian cancer in 1998. 
And at that time, her oncologist from Sao Paulo, he had done his training in New York at the Memorial Sloan Cancer Cancer Center. And I remember him talking about, uh, he dealt with lots of female cancers. And I remember him talking about menopause and the loss of the protective effects of estrogen and progesterone. And because our ovaries stop uh, stop working or work less. And the fact that this leads to accumulation of visceral fat and how the visceral fat produces different kinds of molecules, inflammatory molecules and different kinds of um, estrogen that are not beneficial for our body and could lead to cancer like ovarian cancer or breast cancer or endometrial cancer. So we as women, we have to be really aware that menopause is a complete different um, situation where you lose your protective uh, hormones that are ovarian produced, and that leads to increasing visceral fat, that leads to increasing inflammation in your body, and you definitely want to have an MRI, and you definitely want to check for strategies to reverse visceral fat. Mm, Anna, thank you. With Sean, my Sean, my friend Sean O'Mara, which is a doctor in Minnesota, you can research him. He has uh, a YouTube channel. He has free videos that you can listen about visceral fat and learn about visceral fat. Wonderful. That's a that's a great source. And and who knows how you are going to be teaming up with Sean in the future or what happens there. There's just so many possibilities that will be fun to watch. Anna, thank you so much. I just want to say one thing, one last thing. Anything each one of you decide to do, again, smaller steps, 1% daily leads to 365% in a year. So it's way more than 100%. So small steps, so you're not going to give up. And the most important thing, be kind to yourself, do your best for every day. It can be, if you are sick, you're going to be doing less. If you are healthier, you're going to be doing more. Just So just be kind to yourself. But mainly again, connect to your heart. I have told myself many, many, many times that I should or could or want or need to walk the health path, the path of health in my life. And definitely, I would always procrastinate and I would always postpone. And I'm talking about the 10,000 steps that was the beginning of my journey. And when I was able to connect with my heart by seeing my dad dying with his body failing him, I was able to connect with my heart. I do not want to, I will do anything and everything in my power to avoid getting to this state. So I connect with your heart. Find something that will tell you the same thing. I will do everything and anything in my power to avoid getting to this point. Thank you, Anna. Thank you. You have a nonprofit that we want to highlight, and that is Minnesota Colorectal Foundation. And I think the interesting thing about um, it is minnesotacolorectal.org. And tell us a little bit about why this is your this is your choice. Because my husband was diagnosed with colon cancer in 2013. He was 49 years old. He was below the age for screening at that time. 
And unfortunately, the below age for screening people who were diagnosed, who were being diagnosed, they were they would mainly be uh, advanced aggressive cancers, and they would die like in the average lifetime for the patients that would be like two, two and a half years. That would be the maximum. And um, I met a friend who is also a radiologist, Dr. Sandy Muschenheim, and she also had she also deals with colon cancer and she was also diagnosed with stage four. And I believe she's the president of the Minnesota colorectal uh, cancer foundation, or at least she was the president because she was one of the founders and she's also a radiologist and the Minnesota people from the university of Minnesota got together and they fought with Senate, with Congress, with help of becoming a coalition and they were able to decrease the age from 50 to 45 for colon cancer screening. And the money that they raise goes, everything goes for research at the University of Minnesota for new trials and new medications and helping the vet, the patients who are in a very, very difficult and painful and hopeless situation. Thank you, Anna. Thank you for your heart and for sharing your time with us. Any last thoughts or questions, Lisa? Well, I just had a free therapy session. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think, you know, anyone that's going to listen to this podcast, my, this might be a podcast that people listen to more than once. So I can't thank you enough. Uh, you made my day thank and you. a lot to, th a lot to think about. And you are a special woman. And, you know, I do believe that you're put on this earth for a reason and you're figuring out what your reason is. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for your kind words. Thank you for have, hosting me here. And again, when I heal, you heal. When you heal, I heal. And we keep healing together. We keep walking together. Yeah. If people want to reach out to you, knowing that right now you're not in a position to become their doctor. Yes. But if they have questions or somebody else wants to grab you for a podcast, I mean, Drew Pruitt, you're going to be, or depending on when we drop ours, you may have already been on the Drew Pruitt podcast. You've yes. got great things going. How do people reach out to you? What's the best way? So like Katie said so well, um, I cannot be your doctor right now because I am the doctor of your doctor. So I would say find a health optimizing provider that will jump in with the journey of getting healthier yourself. But you can follow me on LinkedIn. You can find me on Instagram and you can find me on Facebook. And since my accent is a little bit uh, different, I will let Katie tell tell you guys in her beautiful voice my my information. So Facebook is Anna Claudia Rosa and Instagram. No, LinkedIn is Anna Rosa and Instagram. I'll let her say it. Yes. You are Anna C Rosa underscore rad R A D. And that's, that's your Instagram and you are Anna Claudia Rosa on Facebook and Anna Rosa on LinkedIn and Anna is A-N-A. -A. So you are findable. You have all sorts of wonderful information that you share and we cannot thank you enough for joining us. Thank you. My honor. All right, Katie, this is usually your time to finish up this podcast, but 
I have so much to say, and I'm going to try to do it quickly. She's a beautiful human being. Yep, there was a reason you needed her on this podcast. And yep, I am so glad it was in January 2024. There's a word that we use a lot. It's a Yiddish word called beshert. We started this podcast talking about self-care. We didn't know what she was going to say, right? Oh, I had a little bit well, of it. But I, I knew nothing. <laughs> but I, I knew nothing, okay? Yeah. I mean, to this extent. I mean, first of all, any woman that's going to listen to this podcast, just listening to her, you can figure out your own self-care, right? Mm-hmm. And when she said, do 1% daily, that's the one, you know, like have your cup of coffee. At the end of the year, you've done 365% more than you did the year before. How easy is that to think about? Then it's not overwhelming. She is one cool woman. And it's because of all her tragedies and what she's been through that's made her who she is today. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, what's going to happen 10 years from now with her, right? And how she talks about she didn't take time for herself for basically self-care, right? She was unhappy with her weight. She was unhappy with so many things because she was so busy doing other things, right? So even as a woman who's talking about all this, she still struggles every day to do that 1%. That's the important part. And I think what we are not defined by that one thing. We're not defined necessarily by what we do or who our family is or any of those. We get to define ourselves. We get to build ourselves. And Anna has so beautifully done that. She's taken so many different pieces and yet her heart continues to stay so pure and her giving spirit is what is just continues to stand out to me. So I try to be more like Anna. (laughs) Uh, We all have to be, try to listen to her advice. And again, I'll say it one more time. I know I've already said it, but this is a podcast that I will recommend people to listen to when they're having a bad day. You don't necessarily have to be out in the general public, although I think Anna at some point is going to be on a stage speaking to thousands, hundreds of thousands maybe. But I think that we get our beautiful bits of information uh, and we're so privileged to have the friends and acquaintances that we do that uh, I think that's one of the things I love about this podcast is being able to share that. So for all of you out there listening, thank you, thank you, thank you snippets of information all the way through bigger than snippets. If you want to get more information on Lisa and I go right to our podcast page, theviewinyourmirror.com. From there, you can go straight to Lisa. You can go straight to me and we would love to hear from you. So if you can take one thing away, take away that you are unique and beautiful in all the world and you are responsible for building your happiness and for building your life and we know that with the the skills that you have and with that it's within you as anna said it's within you so take that beautiful view in your mirror within you wherever you go and with that make it a phenomenal day until next time